In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In both penitential seasons of the church, Advent and also in Lent, when we get just past the halfway point, we are given a Sunday where Christ through His church Literally, it's a command to us, if you will, and gives us a theme on these Sundays. Rejoice. Rejoice in the midst of all your weariness. In the midst of all your penitent hearts. In the midst of all your fasting. Don't ever forget the call to rejoice. In fact, today's Mass is called Laetare Sunday. And in Latin, Laetare means rejoice. Come and rejoice. The first word of the introit today at the very beginning of Mass sung by the choir was rejoice. The offertory that you'll hear sung by the choir in just a bit says this, O oh, praise the Lord for the Lord is gracious. O oh, sing praises to His name for He is lovely. So today we set ourselves to rejoice. But my friends, I think it's critical for us. To be mindful of the source of all rejoicing. Why is it that we can and should rejoice? What is it that wells up within our very soul? A posture to have to express great praise to God. For all that He has done. Because unless we recognize that source. We will not be able to fulfill the calling of this Mass. And the calling of the priesthood of all believers. To offer themselves to rejoice and praise God for all that He has done. So what is the source of the joy from which comes rejoicing? That's our focus this morning. And in order for us to remember the source of our joy, I've picked out three stories from the Holy Gospels. Of the interaction of the need of man and the fulfillment of those needs by Christ, which produces rejoicing in their hearts. And I could have picked far more than three. But let's hear these and be reminded of the source of our joy. In the Gospel of St. Mark in chapter 1, a leper comes to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've been to a leper colony when I was in youth group. I have seen this disease firsthand. I'd always seen pictures before. But let me tell you something about this disease. It is hideous to the eyes. It will break your heart to see someone who has leprosy. It is excruciatingly painful to them. They live a life of shame. Particularly in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those with the disease of leprosy, they were shunned by society. They were considered unclean by the Jews. They were shunned by the entire culture as outcasts. So they lived with shame, with pain, and the way that they looked, and the way that they felt. And a leper comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, Lord, if it would be your will, if it would be your will, cleanse me. Jesus looks right at him. It is my will. Be cleansed. And in that instant, this man's skin became clear, clean, completely made whole. He was completely restored by the command of Christ. And we see this man get up and he says he went off 
glorifying God. He rejoiced because of the experience of mercy that he had just had. Less than two weeks ago at one of our many Vesper services, we had the gospel reading that had the story of blind Bartimaeus. A man blind all of his life. And he hears that Jesus is passing by. And he cries out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. But the disciples try to hush him up. They try to hush up this beggar so Jesus can keep going. But this man so desperate for mercy, so desperate to be made whole, we're told that he raises his voice even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and turns to him. And he heals his blindness, restoring his sight. Mercy requested, mercy given. And we are told that he went proclaiming with great praise the great work that Jesus had done for him. Let's go into beyond Pentecost. After the death, resurrection, ascension, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues his divine ministry of mercy through his church. As we find in Acts chapter 3. That there is a lame man who cannot walk. And Peter is walking by. And he cries out to Peter for some assistance, for some help, for some mercy. And Peter, filled with Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, he looks at him and he says, In the name of Christ, arise and walk. And our Lord Jesus Christ extends mercy through humanity to humanity. And that lame man, we are told by Holy Scripture, that immediately strength came back to his ankles and came back to his feet. So much for that he didn't stand up. He leapt up. And then he ran into the temple. Running, leaping, rejoicing, and testifying to all that God had done for him in that moment. My friends, what is common to all three of these stories? I'll tell you. Number one, people in dire need of the mercy of God is common to all of these stories. Secondly, each one of these people knew their need for mercy. They had had enough of the illness, the dysfunction in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls. So much so that they brought themselves or cried out for mercy to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it would be mercy that they would receive in that moment. And I bet you this. When they cried out for mercy, they had no idea what mercy really was. Until they experienced it. And once they experienced the mercy of God. It welled up in their heart of hearts and in their soul to do what? <clears throat> Rejoice. Rejoice. My friends, I see the extension of the mercy that you're hearing about in the Holy Scriptures all the time in the sacrament of confession particularly. I see it in other ways, but I see it in the sacrament of confession and absolution particularly. And I could tell testimony after testimony of so many of you that know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced right here in that great sacrament. As you bring the illness of your soul, the illness of your mind, your emotions, even your bodies to Christ, and you confess and you experience Him here. And He relieves your conscience. But instead of telling a testimony of some of you, 
I will tell you one that's very important to me because it set the stage for my understanding of how Christ extends His mercy through this great and holy sacrament. But right when I had just begun looking into the historic faith, the first 600 years of the church, one of the things that I had to address having grown up Protestant is this issue. What is this sacrament of confession? I don't get it. I don't see a need for it. And so I began to read, as I did with every subject matter, in the faith and the practice of the church. But while I was doing that, I'm telling you right at the very beginning of my journey. At that time, I had started a church with a friend of mine for unchurched people in an area just outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. And there was a young man who came to a home group that we had at our house that Korea Debbie and I had a Bible study. He's a young man about 25 years old. And uh, he was not a hugger. You know what I mean. There are people who are huggers. And there are people that are not huggers. And as soon as you go to hug them, you know which one they are. Right? <laughs> and he was not a hugger. He was a shaker. That's all right. So I'd shake his hand. This young man shows up on my doorstep at 9.30 at night on a Friday night unannounced. And he rings my doorbell. And I open the door, come in, we sit down. And he tells me that he had just been to see the movie Luther. A movie that came out 2000, must have been 2003, 2004, about the life of Martin Luther. And he says something interesting right at the beginning of the conversation. He says that the first part of that movie, the very first scene, Martin Luther is confessing to his father confessor. I said, okay. Well, he just went on about something else. But in this conversation, he came back to this scene of confession four times. Finally, I looked at him and I said, my friend, do you want to do confession? He said, yeah. I said, you know, I'm not a priest. But, you know, I have a little Anglican book of common prayer that I'm using for my daily prayers. And it's got a little confession liturgy in it. Let's go in my office. We went into my office and we sat down and we went through this little liturgy. When it came time for him to openly confess the sins that the Holy Spirit has put on his heart. This unemotional, standoffish, handshaking, non-hugging guy loses it. And he's got tears streaming down his face. And he is confessing a decade worth of pretty in-depth sexual sin. To the details I won't go in. And he is bearing his soul. And I am seeing nothing but grief and sorrow and ten years worth of shame. Even though he'd gone to Christ directly before, he's still in this condition. And he finishes his confession. And I say the words of absolution, which make no mistake, they are not the words of a priest. They are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. That his sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And as soon as those words left my lips, this man who is in grievous tears and shame and suffering over all he'd done for ten years, turned to tears of joy in the snap of a finger. And I couldn't believe what I saw. And he jumped up and he grabbed me and he didn't let go. What did we see? And by the way, if you don't think I was convinced about the sacrament of confession and what Christ does through his mercy for his beloved people, think again. Because that's one of the things he was teaching me. But more than anything, he was teaching me about his mercy. And what I saw him do on behalf of this young man 
was unbelievable to my eyes. And to see the change wrought in this man in an instant of the reception of the very mercy of God upon his life. What happened? This man came knowing his illness. He had had enough of his brokenness, his illness, his shame, and his absolutely burdened conscience. And he wanted to come. He didn't want to come to me. He wanted to come to me because he knew I'd bring him to Jesus. And that's who he wanted to come to. And so he did. And Jesus issued forth mercy, just like you heard in those three stories. Two in the Gospels, one in Acts. And what was the result in this young man's life? What was the result of the experience of the divine mercy of God? Joy came to his soul. And from the joy now in his soul unleashed incredible rejoicing for what Jesus had done for him in his life. What is the source of Christian joy? What is the cause of rejoicing again and again and again? The source of it is when God's people bring their damage bring their guilty and weighted down and corrupt conscience and bring their sinfulness and bring their emotional dysfunction and bring their bodily pains and suffering before the God of mercy crying out for just that. And He answers it with His presence and He answers it as He always has since the Incarnation through the Holy Spirit, through Pentecost, through His church. And people experience the living Christ and all of his inexhaustible mercy. Then joy is born. And then from joy comes rejoicing. These thoughts began two Wednesdays ago at a Wednesday Mass. When we had the words read from the book of Esther. And it's actually our, it's a prayer. Where we had read. Hear my prayer and be merciful unto thine inheritance. Turn our sorrow into joy. That we may live, O Lord, and praise thy name. How is sorrow turned to joy? Hear my prayer and have mercy. Have mercy. Turns our sorrow into joy. And I concluded that day with a scripture I'll read to you now. From Isaiah chapter 61. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying about Christ himself and Jesus would reference these words in the Gospel of St. Luke later on. Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Listen to this. To comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion. Giving them a garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. And Jesus would say this is me. Jesus has come to take our sorrow and give us the joy of his salvation in exchange. May we all come to Him living honestly 
All of these men that I talked about in Scripture and in my life and so many of you here come honestly before Christ and you bring the illness of whatever it is, soul, mind, or body. Come to Him, live honestly, and you will experience the mercy of God. Soul set free, you will be filled with joy and rejoice from that well of joy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.